Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 31, Living with Integrity. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everybody. How's it going? I hope you're all having a great week. We are having one of those really especially busy ones. I hate to even use that word. It's kind of taboo now, right? But you know what I mean. Lots of stuff going on. I think for so long with COVID and its aftermath, we had things were pretty slow for a while, right? But now it just feels like everything's kind of getting back to normal as far as activities go. We're still trying to just adjust to having stuff going on just about every afternoon and evening again. But it's all good things, right? So today we are talking about personal integrity and what can happen in our lives if we are out of integrity and also how to be how to be in integrity with ourselves and with others, what that even means. And I think I first heard the word integrity way back when I was a teenager. Um, in our weekly church meetings, there was this theme that we'd recite um, as young women, and it was just called that, the young women theme. And it was basically this declaration of our divine identity as daughters of God, and it included some of the responsibilities and opportunities that came with that identity. And this theme has changed in recent years, but but prior to all these changes, part of the theme listed some values that we young women were encouraged to incorporate into our lives. Things like faith, knowledge, virtue, good works. And one of those values was integrity. And in my time, my six years or so in the Young Women program, I learned that the word integrity basically meant honesty. And that's true. If you look up the dictionary definition of integrity, the first thing it says is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. But there's more to it, right? Another definition of integrity is the state of being whole and undivided, the condition of being unified, unimpaired, or of sound construction. It also says internal consistency. So integrity is about honesty, but not just in the outward ways, right? Like being honest if the cashier gives us too much change, right? um, Or teaching our kids the importance of telling the truth about how the window got broken, right? Those are kind of the the things that we think about initially, I think, when when we hear honesty. And those are all great outward examples, right? Um, Things that people see. And so we learn from a very young age about the importance of being honest with others, But um, many of us struggle, actually, as we get older, to be honest with ourselves. And so we're going to talk about what that means today, to be in integrity with ourselves, which actually will help us in our efforts to be more honest with others as well. Okay, so the root word um, that integrity comes from is the word integer. Remember that word from your seventh grade math class? (laughs) That's what it makes me think of, at least. But an integer is a whole number. So integrity is wholeness. Um, That was one of the the definitions I mentioned, right? So when we're out of integrity, we're not whole. We may feel divided or um, some people describe it as being out of alignment. And we hear that phrase sometimes, but what does that even mean? What are we out of alignment with? Um, Well, we can be out of alignment with our values. We can be out of alignment with our goals. We can be out of alignment with our gifts and our strengths. Maybe we're not developing or using them to the fullest potential, right? Maybe we're out of alignment with our expectations of what we envisioned our lives looking like when we were younger. We can be out of alignment with our true selves, not letting other people see the real us because we're afraid of what what they might think. Um, We can be out of alignment with our health. Maybe we're not taking care of ourselves the way we would like to. Uh, Maybe we feel out of alignment spiritually 
and we're struggling to connect with God and feel that you know divine source source within us. There are so many ways that we can be um, out of alignment. And when we are out of alignment with who we really are and our core beliefs or values, we experience what is called cognitive dissonance, which is defined as the mental conflict that occurs when a person's behaviors and beliefs do not align, or the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. Um, Cognitive dissonance causes feelings of unease and tension, and people can attempt to relieve this comfort in different ways. Um, So we as humans seek for consistency and predictability, and so this dissonance causes feelings, these feelings of unease and tension inside of us. And I think this term dissonance is a great description of it. If you're familiar with music, you may have heard the terms consonance and dissonance. So um, consonance and dissonance, they refer to the types of sound that are created when notes are played together. So for example, when you play two notes at the same time, they can either flow together smoothly and seamlessly, or they can kind of clash and compete with each other. And these two sounds can create very different musical moods and experiences for the people listening. So consonant musical sounds are often described um, as with with words like pleasant or soothing or even stable, right? Basically, these are notes that sound comfortable together, and these are considered consonant sounds. On the other hand, dissonant musical sounds might be described um, with words such as like sharp or unnerving or unsettling. And this is because dissonant sounds create sort of a tension that the listener naturally wants to hear released or as a music they call it resolved. So I think the term cognitive dissonance is a great way to describe the tension or the discomfort that can come when we are dealing with two competing ideas or beliefs or behaviors. So let's look at some examples of this. Maybe you have the belief that exercise is good for you, right? That it's an important component in maintaining your physical health, but you just can't get yourself to be disciplined enough to do it. That's going to cause you some dissonance. Maybe you believe that you should be reading your scriptures every day, but you just can't find the time to make that happen. Maybe you teach your kids about being kind and not judging other people, but you just can't help but complain and maybe even gossip a little about that lady from church who drives you crazy. Maybe you've committed to yourself that you're going to eat healthy, but then when you're out with friends, you don't want to be a killjoy, so you just order dessert anyway, but later regret it. Maybe you um, value a clean and organized house, but you haven't established um, very good routines or habits, and so you're frustrated that you're just never able to achieve it. Maybe you have kids that love to play video games, but you've heard that that just rots their brains, and so you feel super guilty whenever um, they play. Um, I know probably every single one of you listening has at one time or another said yes to something that you really don't want to do, and then you end up feeling resentful about it. So can you see how these things are examples of, of not telling the truth, of not being honest about who you are and what you stand for, what you value, or what you want to do? Um, So I'm going to give you a list of emotions that are associated with cognitive dissonance and see if any of these ring true for you. Um, Cognitive dissonance can cause feelings of discomfort, anxiety, stress, frustration, shame, insecurity, judgment, tension, embarrassment, FOMO, so feeling of missing out, regret, resentment, depression, low self-worth, restlessness, dissatisfaction, and emptiness. Emptiness, (laughs) sorry. That's a pretty long list, right? But these are emotions that can come when we aren't aligned with who we really want to be, 
when we're not aligned with our values, when we're not aligned with our best selves and our highest potentials. And research has shown that when we are not in integrity, when we aren't being honest with ourselves or with others, we can experience um, the psychological stress, right? Increased cortisol and inflammation in our bodies, high blood pressure, and even a decreased immune response. So there are physical consequences when we are out of alignment as well. So if you're feeling any of these emotions on a regular basis, you might want to take a look at how aligned your actions are with your beliefs and values, as well as what unconscious thoughts or beliefs you have that might be clashing with with your core beliefs, those core beliefs and values. And it sounds funny that that we could have two contrasting beliefs, but I think this happens um, a lot more times than we realize um, without us even being aware of it. Um, Like you might believe that we are children of God and that we have a divine nature and worth and potential. But then you also believe, either consciously or unconsciously, that some people are just better or more worthy than others, right? Which leads us to to things like comparing and not feeling good enough. Um, One that I know some people are struggling with right now is the belief that God has um, called prophets on the earth to guide us. But then they don't agree with some of the things that these, these leaders say, these prophets say, right? And that can cause some dissonance, some discomfort. And this can even show up in our parenting. Um, maybe we believe in the principle of agency, but then we really struggle when our kids don't use their agency the way we want them to, right? And so there can be this tension when our beliefs and our actions or our expectations aren't lining up. And this can actually become a real problem for us and cause us to slip into these chronic emotions of shame and resentment and anxiety and self-doubt and fear. All of those emotions I mentioned I mentioned earlier. And instead of negative emotions, right, I like to call these survival emotions because that's generally when they come up, when we feel like something has gone wrong, when we need to protect ourselves. They aren't necessarily bad. They can be signals to us about something we need to address or change in our lives, right? But when we're experiencing these emotions, day after day, when they are the overriding emotions driving our actions, we are going to suffer. We will suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, every every aspect of our lives, right? And this can really take a toll on us. So what do we do? How do we address this, is, this issue of being out of integrity with ourselves and our true values? Well, generally, when someone is experiencing cognitive dissonance, they will try to relieve it by acting in ways or adopting new attitudes that can help um, relieve the conflict. So for some people who disagree with things that are said by church leaders, um, they might ease that tension by saying things like, well, our leaders aren't perfect, they're just humans doing the best they can. Or somebody else might decide that um, their belief that these men are called and inspired of God actually isn't true and that there aren't such things as prophets on the earth today. And so these are just different thoughts I've heard expressed by people who are, who are kind of feeling this internal conflict. And there's no judgment here, right? It's just interesting to see. And I think it's a good example of how um, these new thoughts or beliefs or attitudes can come in and help ease that tension for someone um, who is having, who's experiencing this, this dissonance in their minds. Um, I was coaching a client one time who had come to me really distraught over some things she'd run across in church history. And she just really felt like she'd been lied to and had the wool pulled over her eyes um, her whole life and was just feeling kind of angry and uncertain about what to think about the church and even what she, the covenants that she'd made. And she was just in a really tough place. Um, Lots and lots of dissonance happening for her. But when we got to the root of what she really believed about God, what she knew about him through her personal experiences with him and his involvement in her life, um, that belief was so much stronger. That experience with God had been so much stronger than the doubt that she was currently experiencing with this new information. 
And so by tapping back into that core belief she held about God and who he really was and what he really intended for him, for her and his love for her, um, she came to the conclusion that she trusted him enough not to have all the answers right now. That that was what faith was, right? Being able to tolerate not knowing, not having the full picture, but still believing that God would take care of her and honor her agency now and in the life to come and that he wanted good things for her. And that brought her so much peace. So again, this is another example of just finding a belief um, that can ease that tension. And to me, these beliefs, these conclusions that we come to are very personal. They can't really be forced upon us by someone else, right? And with some of the other examples I gave, like kids playing video games, maybe to ease your cognitive, cognitive dissonance, you put a time limit on their playing, right? So they only have access to their games for 30 minutes or an hour a day. Or you could take it the other direction and adopt the belief that maybe their brains aren't being rotted out and it's totally fine for them to play, right? I've seen moms approach it both ways, um, either change the behavior or change the belief. And it's all about how you personally want to approach it. The important thing is that you are in integrity with what you have intentionally decided to believe and value. And when you're using that higher brain, right, to decide on those beliefs and values, you can use them as a guide in all of your other decisions. It will be easier to know how you truly want to think and feel and act in any situation. So being intentional and deliberate in, in that area can bring so much more clarity to the rest of your life. Um, I love the way that Joe Dispenza talks about being out of integrity. He refers to this as the gap, meaning there's a gap between who we really are on the inside, how we think and feel, and what we do when we're alone and there's no one else around, and how we appear to others on the outside. He says we kind of put up this facade, or we have this identity that we're trying to project out to the world. And he says that the first half of our lives are full of new things and accomplishment, right? We're growing and learning and changing and having new experiences, meeting new people. We eventually go off to college and we get married and we get a job and buy a house and have kids, right? There are lots of big, exciting, eventful things going on. Lots of things that keep us really busy. But he asserts that these things can also distract us from addressing our anxieties or the limiting beliefs we have about ourselves. All that baggage that we've also accumulated um, that we've just kind of stuffed down and tried to ignore and hoped that it would just go away if we just kept ourselves busy or distracted enough. But he says if we never address these things, they eventually will catch up with us. And that usually happens right around our mid-30s, which is that time that we affectionately refer to as the midlife crisis, right? And he says that many of us try really hard to make those feelings that we push down stay buried by diving even deeper into our external world, into things that are outside of us that we think will make us feel better or at worst, at least, you know, numb us to them. He talks about... Um, the typical things we associate with a midlife crisis, like buying new things, making big changes, we do this in an effort to change our environment so that we can feel better or feel different. But the novelty of all these things eventually wears off, right? And then we're still stuck with that identity of who we really are and all of those things that haven't been resolved. So he says that when we finally see what's happening and that no amount of outside excitement or distraction is going to take this away from us, we finally stop running from those feelings that we've been trying to avoid um, and face them. I'm going to read a quote from him. He says, when this happens, the individual begins to wake up. After some self-reflection, she discovers who she really is, what she has been hiding, and what no longer is working for her. So she lets go of the facade, the games, and the illusions. She is honest about who she really is at all costs, and she's not afraid to lose it all. 
This is a profound moment in a person's life. The soul is waking up and nudging her to tell the truth about who she really is. The lie is over. So I love that. And I know for me, that was a powerful time in my life when I was really able to stop and take a look at all the beliefs and habits and patterns that I'd established and to really see what they were creating in my life. And some of them were not good. Some of them were not serving me or the people in my life. And the funny thing is that some of them sounded really good, like like people-pleasing. That's a sneaky one, right? Because we're trying so hard to be kind. We just are trying to be unselfish and take care of people. But it, when, it, when it comes at the expense of your own health or well-being or peace of mind, when it causes you to be out of integrity with yourself, it is not such a good thing. And so for me, taking a step back and inv- evaluating who I really wanted to be in relation to myself and to other people and what I really wanted my life to look like now and in the future was super helpful. And when we don't take the time or have the courage to really dig deep and ask ourselves these bigger questions, we kind of end up settling, right? We keep our expectations for ourselves low and we can kind of get in the habit of putting these things on the back burner, things that we intend to do someday but we never really do. And this is how people end up feeling really unfulfilled or stuck in their lives. So the secret to getting out of this rut, this midlife crisis, if you will, is to really create a life of integrity, to know what that looks like for you personally, um, to create a life of meaning and purpose. And sometimes we talk about finding our purpose as if it just happens to us, right? And then it just falls onto us. But in reality, it's this process of really being willing to experiment and explore a little to see what feels aligned with what we really want. And we talk about discovering our purpose like it's some mysterious thing we need to find, but really I think a better way to think of it is that we get to create our purpose. We get to choose what we want to do, um, the thing that lights us up or motivates us to action. And one of the best things we can do is to, as I mentioned before, get really clear on your values. When we know what our values are and we prioritize those values, we can kind of organize our lives around them and make decisions based on the things that are most important to us. And so that's the kind of mindset or that's kind of the mindset or thought work aspect of it, right? We know from the model, which if you're not sure what that is, you can go back to episode number two. I think that's what it is and and learn more about that. But the model is basically a little formula that shows us how our thinking ultimately affects the results we are getting in our lives. So what we are thinking, whether consciously or unconsciously, causes us to feel something. It triggers an emotion in us. And the emotion that we feel acts as a fuel for our actions, the things that we do, which in turn affect the results or the way we experience our lives. And so when you do the internal work, it really affects your outward behavior. And our values can then become sort of a filter for our behavior, right? We can take our wants and our desires and then use our values and the vision of the person we want to be to decide what we want to do with those desires and how we want to respond to them, how we want to incorporate them into our lives. Um, and doing this will just really serve as a, as a guide for your behavior. You can find all kinds of lists of values online to get you started if you want some examples. Um, but we tend to think of values as either right or wrong, like we should value some things more than others. But really, we're all very unique, right? We're, we all have different strengths and preferences and abilities and tolerances and talents and experiences. So it would make sense that we would value different things. I was coaching a woman one time whose youngest child had just started school. And so for the first time since becoming a mom, she was alone for a good chunk of the day. And most of the women she knew um, when they got into that situation, most of her friends had decided to go back to work or start a business or do something like that. And she was really questioning what she wanted to do and feeling just kind of restless and confused. 
And so I took her through this exercise of really defining her values and her priorities. And it just really gave her so much clarity about she, what she wanted her life to look like in this phase and what she needed to focus on to achieve that. So it's so fun for me to see women really step up and take charge of their lives. I like to think about it as, as becoming the CEO of your life, right? The CEO for the company has um, a vision of what's possible for the future of that company, right? Where it can go, what it can achieve. And then um, the CEO makes decisions and takes actions accordingly. Well, that's what I do with my clients. That's kind of the process I take them through. I help them become the CEO of their lives to really get clear on their values and their priorities and the vision they have for the future, for their families, for their marriages, and most importantly, for themselves, right? And then I help them get to work creating that. It is one of my very favorite things to do. So I love what Brene Brown has to say about midlife. She says, midlife is when the universe gently places her hands upon your shoulders, pulls you close, and whispers in your ear, I'm not messing around. All of this pretending and performing, these coping mechanisms that you've developed to protect yourself from feeling inadequate and getting hurt, has to go. Your armor is preventing you from growing into your gifts. I understand that you needed these protections when you were small. I understand that you believed your armor could help you secure all of those things you needed to feel worthy and lovable, but you're still searching and you're more lost than ever. Time is growing short. There are unexplored adventures ahead of you. You can't live the rest of your life worried about what other people think. You were born worthy of love and belonging. Courage and daring are coursing through your veins. You were made to live and love with your whole heart. It's time to show up and be seen. I love that. One of my favorite quotes. <laughs> so many of the beliefs and tendencies that we acquired as children were just the result of our innocent, inexperienced minds really trying to make sense of the world and keep us safe. Things like people-pleasing, um, shoving down or ignoring our feelings, assuming the worst of people or, or circumstances, avoiding conflict, judging ourselves and other people, overthinking, having a victim mentality or, or defaulting to helplessness, right? Perfectionism. These are just a few of the coping mechanisms that we learn to protect ourselves and to get the love and attention and validation that we so craved. But the crazy thing is that these habits and these patterns and beliefs that helped us feel safe when we were young are actually the very things that are sabotaging us today. They sabotage our health, our relationships, our success, our peace, our confidence, and our, all, our happiness, right, as adults. And then we take it further and we try to numb the emotional pain that results from all this with all kinds of distractions, right? Shopping, food, vacations, houses, entertainment, general busyness, the list can go on. And we focus on these things all while neglecting the things that would really make our lives more meaningful and create real joy. So uncovering those beliefs, those unconscious habits, is the first step in building emotional awareness or wellness. When you really stop and take a look at them and realize that some of the things we always assumed were truth were actually just other people's ideas or opinions about you or how the world works, when you're able to question these ideas and really measure them against your own values, then you can recognize what's true for you, what you want to be your truth. So learning how to shed that protective armor is really essential if we're going to live lives of integrity and authenticity. So I think this is our work, right? To become the person whose outer life aligns with her inner life. Take a look at your habits, your actions, look at your thoughts and your feelings and ask yourself, does what I'm doing or projecting out to the world reflect who I really am on the inside? Do those two things match up? And when they do, when, they, when you know that they match up, you know that you are living in integrity. 
you know that your decisions and your actions are going to be intentional and not just be made on a whim, right? So my challenge for you this week is to think about your values, figure out what they are and really tell the truth about them to other people, but especially to yourself. Be in integrity, make powerful decisions and then follow through. Do what you say you're going to do. When you are in touch with your true values and desires, you will experience more freedom, more motivation, more empowerment, and it's really gonna change the way that you show up in your life. Okay, that's it for this week. I hope you all have a fabulous weekend. And of course, if you have any questions or want further help with any of the tools or concepts you hear on this podcast, just shoot me a DM on Instagram. It's easy, Annette Jones Coaching. I'd love to hear from you. And if this podcast is helpful for you, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it. It helps more people looking for this kind of content to find it. All right, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back again next week. Bye now.